What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. I'm your host of this today's show, Steve McCutcheon, along with my one co-host, Michael Noen. We have another great show for you guys today, but before that, please take a moment, hit the bell, and subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcast. Also follow us on Twitter at the SLScreamers underscore pod. Um, kick it off, we got some news and notes from around the world. Uh, probably the biggest talking point I've seen in a long time, Mike. Uh, World Cup switching from every four years to every two years, but also possibly a backup tournament. What's kind of your uh, your takes on all, all of it? Is that a joke? We were talking about that the other week. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, relax there. I was <laughs> cracking up when you did the head bob there in the freaking intro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, originally when they talked about the World Cup, uh, it's from my understanding when they were bringing up the World Cup changing from every four years to every two years, was not a fan of it. But I think they may or may not have heard what fans have been saying and might have revised their tune a little bit. So, with what they're proposing now, for those who aren't familiar, they would essentially keep the World Cup the same every four years. And then they would have, correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, almost like a B-team NIT-style tournament for the World Cup of like teams who weren't able to make it into the, for lack of a better term, Premier League World Cup, right? Uh, you know, for every on those offset every two years, kind of like the Olympics is supposed to be with like the winter and the summer. Um, honestly, I don't necessarily mind the idea. The only thing that I have an issue with is more or less what would make the game worth watching for and what makes it worth playing for besides like that host country getting a little bit more attention and clout. Like would there be some type of world cup qualifying spot or do they automatically come in as like a wild card or something like in the next world cup as like a play in match with like maybe one of the lower ranked teams, like how would that work in particular? Right. I think that's the only way that would make it kind of interesting. But besides that, I'm not sure it would make sense. Like it'd be cool, but it just seems to be adding more schedule congestion, you know, to players already. And, you know, they're not machines. They're not robots. I just, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of adding more just to kind of pocket a little bit. So. Yeah. It's between, it's funny because FIFA, I feel like is playing it off as we're trying to keep the youth interested in the sport. Cause apparently a bunch of young kids, all, all like everyone that's like, I guess under the age of like 25 really wants is, or has the attention span of, I don't, I don't even know. And uh, they're not paying enough attention to soccer or football uh, across mm-hmm. the globe. I really doubt that's putting it every two years is going to change that, mm-hmm. in, in, in my opinion, personally. Do I think World Cups help get new eyes interested into soccer? Absolutely. But I think hosting one every two years kind of just dilutes it. I think like, I really don't see any issue with the tournament the way it is right now. I don't either. And that's kind of my whole gripe with this in the first place. And I get the perspective, and it's a good way of, you know, spinning it, you know, kudos to their PR team for putting it that way. Right. Where they, where they want to like, you know, grow the game and whatnot. I I totally understand. But the way that FIFA has operated in the past, I do have my issues with them. And like I've said prior on the show, I always think about what is their true motivation. And in my mind, it's it's just money. money. It's a money grab. Um, so I, I can't see them putting player safety first. I can't see them doing these types of things they should be doing. Hence why they have the world cup in Qatar right now, right. Where they have tons of other issues and tons of other things associated with that. We won't go into like, I just don't see the reason for it, but it, it could be good. Maybe if they did it correctly. And there's like a, a couple of things I'd have to go into it, but overall uh, gut reaction, not, I'm like, eh, about it. So do you find it weird with, Wanger being one of the Venga like, drive. Yeah, I can't say I'm not French. I can't say it. <laughs> I'm very uncultured swine over here. Do you, do, you, do you find it weird though that he's like the guy kind of pushing it just like right behind FIFA? Like he's like uh, their main sponsor, honestly, I guess call it. very weird because in the past, too, he from what I remember when he was coaching Arsenal, he was a very big proponent of the congested schedules in general and being outspoken against that. So for him to come in and say like, hey, you know, we actually need more World Cup games. We need more, you know, international games because this is what people want to see and change the game up and the way he was proposing even to change the game up. Um, it's kind of it's kind of interesting, especially seeing him. And I'm kind of curious what FIFA's like throwing his way in particular. But yeah, him, a bunch of, I'm, I remember they, they brought it like Alexi Lawless and a bunch of other like legends, stuff like that to kind of promote their their idea. So, you know. Uh, it is pretty interesting, but especially him of all people to be saying that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I find it very, very, uh, very odd, but I guess money does talk, doesn't it? 
Mm. And then uh, going back to league, uh, every, <laughs> every single every single week apparently uh, for the news and notes. This time, state NTN friend uh, fans were protesting by throwing like no joke, probably twenty plus fa- flares onto the field in like less than forty five seconds. The entire both sides of the pitch just <laughs> went up in smoke, and uh, <laughs> just because they were protesting their team being winless after the first eleven matches. What's our take on that? Uh, you know, earlier in the summer, I thought Conan Ball and CONCACAF were the craziest league and the craziest organization. <laughs> but League uh is really giving it a run for its money right now. <laughs> this might be the league to watch soon. And Amazon is probably loving life, thinking like, wow, we get all the rights to this shit. Like, wow, this has got to be must. Honestly, it sounds like must-watch TV. I kind of want to start watching it. It's better but, than uh, Jersey Shore than when we, when we grew up in high school. <laughs> <laughs> just constant fights. <laughs> constant. But, um, yeah, I mean, like we've said it before, it's almost comical at this point how they're allowed to just come in with the flares, the going past security, fighting on the field. Um, yeah, they, they got to sort that shit out in France. <laughs> no, I agree. And honestly, the weirdest part about this entire situation to me, I don't know about you, but like when I go shopping or I go out, how readily available are flares over in Europe? Uh, apparently <laughs> very readily available. Like these guys just start chucking up from the woodworks. Like I don't think I've ever <laughs> seen one out, out in public here. <laughs> so props to them, man. They, they, uh, they know where to go. I guess they got some pretty damn good Walmarts over there. Yeah. What's the French Walmart? I don't know. Are they international? They have to be, right? The Walmart? I feel like it definitely yeah. is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I would assume so. Maybe it's like, oh, anyway. We're going down name. a hole. Yeah, we're going down a hole. <laughs> Next up, we're going to uh, head over to our Stars and Stripes section. This is basically where we go over any standout or just good performances from United States men's national team players from around the globe. Um, first up, we got Sergino Desk. Had a pretty good game for uh, Barcelona. Missed a sitter. No doubt should have tucked it away for them in, in the El Clasico against Real Madrid, but made up for it later on in the game and got an assist to Cunaguero late at the death. What's your we me and Vito kind of talked about it last week a little bit, but what's your take on desk at right wing slash versus right back? Do you think it makes a difference uh for, for the United States or no? Uh personally, I see him long term as a right back. I don't think he has like he's obviously got amazing footwork and amazing skill in general. Do I think he has the speed to really blow by somebody and kind of move past them? No. And I think in today's game, you kind of need that as a winger not just to be technically really good, but also have that pace and power. Um, so that being said, I, I think he's probably better off at the right back position, especially for the United States. Although we do have an embarrassment of riches right now at the right back. So it's not a bad idea to maybe experiment. And I'm glad that they're experimenting with him at Barcelona than I guess at the U S because we don't really have the ability to fuck that up. So, you know, if something good comes out of it, I'm not going to be upset because that would be a pretty sweet combo of, Let's say a Pulisic, uh, Pepe, Dest up top, right? It would be gnarly. That would be pretty. That would be pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, could he play there if needed? Yeah. Do I want him to play there long term? No. Keep developing a right back. I, I I agree. I think he's definitely more suited for right back. And then I think our quality of depth at right, like while we do have a lot of right backs, I think our quality compared from him down to number two or three is a pretty yeah. big gap versus like oh. where our wingers, where you have Waya, Conrad, Reyna out there. Exactly. Harrison, well, debatably, Reyna shouldn't even be playing on the wing. I mean, there's, there's a couple other things we could debate in there, but yes. Yeah. Like our quality out, out at the wing, I don't think as, uh, as big of a, big of a leap or anything like that. So I definitely like him at right back for the future too. Yeah. Um, then we had Weston McKinnon. Yeah, I was going to say Weston McKinney got the start in the both Juventus games. He had a pretty solid week, actually, and it seems like he's playing himself back into Max Allegri's good graces. Played in the Champions League, 90-plus minutes. Played against Inter, started both games, 82 minutes. Although he's not doing the most on the attacking front as much as we'd probably like, the fact that he's being entrusted by Allegri to come back in and instill some type of stability in that for the lack of better, like a better words, like unstable team in the first couple games at Juventus, you know, it's a pretty big sign of faith. Um, and I think the criticism he's hearing it from him, he heard it from, you know, the U S and I think, you know, he's starting to own up to that and really push himself as a professional to be better on the field. So the goals will come no doubt for him. You know, he's, he's a box to box true midfielder. 
So you just got to keep his keep grinding and it'll, it'll come for him, but it's a solid to see the performances in general. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with you. Definitely. And over, uh, we got Brendan Aronson shocking. He's basically a regular in this category. Uh, he got the champions league win against Wolfsburg when he played against John Brooks. Uh, he also went to distance plus got the win over the weekend in domestic league. Every, like I said, every week he's kid, this kid stepping up and I, I don't think he'll make a January move. I think he'll probably stick with Salzburg for the year. Yeah. But there's no way he doesn't get pushed to a top five league. I, I think in the summer. No, I think at this point he's probably going to get pulled up to somewhere in Germany. If I had to take a wild guess, just because that's how the Red Bulls typically like to operate is, you know, from New York to Austria to, to Salzburg or wherever the fuck their base likes like, Germany. Yeah, in Germany. So just a- I think he'll, pro- he'll probably go there realistically. It, they'd have to probably be a big money move to pull him out of that system to, to another club. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's no way other teams can't be noticing his performances. And for what I read online too, you know, it seems like they have taken notice because he is, you know, he does have that kind of game changing ability and it's on show in the champions league, especially so on the biggest stage right now for him. I agree. Yeah. No, every, every week, like I said, we're, we're, we're raving and ranting and raving about this guy. Uh, then we got Christian Ramirez. Yeah. Ramirez got a goal over the weekend for Aberdeen. Right. Um, and in the past couple games in particular, he's had three in the past four matches also, rec- or four goals. I'm sorry. In the past, uh, couple matches and an assist and in the past seven matches. So he's been playing pretty well. Um, granted it's, it's Scotland, but that being said, not to take away from the level of the competition, he's playing pretty well. Maybe he deserves a call up. Maybe he deserves a look. The striker position is, you know, besides Pepe, it's pretty wide open for anybody to kind of come in and pl- either play that back up second fiddle or even, you know, take the spot from Pepe if he's not performing. So definitely worth a shout and worth a look in like the upcoming November camps. Yeah, I, I, I don't see too much experimental experimentation from Greg. I think he knows uh, what's on the line finally. You know, it took him a little while to figure it out, but uh, <laughs> definitely in the friendlies. Uh, afterwards or maybe the running into the world cup i, I wouldn't be shocked if he uh, makes an appearance and then last on here we got dante Sealy actually over at jong psv uh, he actually scored a hat trick over the weekend for those who don't know he's pretty, a pretty young american striker uh, up front he's showing off over in the netherlands right now so someone definitely keep an eye out and then uh, make a move to a uh, a top tier league very soon yeah on a side note too a little shout out i think, can't remember the guy i think it's like leonard malloy or something along those lines i could be so, totally butchering the name but there was a young defender who made his uh, debut for Dortmund over the weekend too, which is pretty awesome to see a uh, U.S. defender. I think he's like 21, 22, something along those lines. So hopefully another talented United States men's national team player coming through the Dortmund ranks to follow Pulisic and Reina. So Absolutely, man. Best place to be for him. Mm-hmm. Let's head over. We'll check out uh, all the re- weekly recaps of the games of this up or this previous Barclays Premier League match week. First, we had the Arsenal and Ashton Villa game. What'd you look? What'd you think about that on Friday night? Yeah, Arsenal three-one winners. Um, once they pretty much went up three-nil after the fifty-fifth minute, um, the game was, in all honesty, over. Um, they kind of sucked the life out of it, unfortunately for Villa and the Villa fans. But um, they once they got that goal, saw the game relatively comfortably. Gave up the one goal, but uh, overall, Arsenal, you know, kind of kicking back into form a little bit. They're kind of going through this seesaw. I feel like throughout the season where they're doing pretty well, not doing so well, doing pretty well. So Arteta seems to have them playing pretty decently. Um, Where they sit right now in the terms of the table, not too bad. So, I mean, there's every possibility that they could make a run down the line, but um, season's still young for them in general. Yeah. I mean, obviously they have the, I mean, keep be pretty blunt about it. They have the joke of the Premier League for the first three games uh, without a doubt, right. Losing all three of them. And Mm -hmm. especially to, Brentford, then I mean Man City, Chelsea, whatever you want to call it. But mm-hmm. um, since then, yeah, four wins, two draws. Granted, two of the draws, I think uh, they were very winnable games, and they probably should have picked up max points. But mm-hmm. they're sitting in tenth place. Yes, far down, like right in the middle of the table, but three points uh, away from a top four spot. Right there in seven, uh, West Ham is there with seventeen, and Arsenal sitting there at fourteen. So it's yeah. not impossible where they're sitting right now. No, not at all. Still very early. Yeah. What's your take? Uh, I'm curious. I know we we probably all picked Aston Villa to finish a lot higher than what they're performing right now. Three wins, one draw, five losses. Mm. Jack Grealish effect leaving or just not time, not enough time for the, all the new players to start gelling. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I see a lot of similarities with what happened when Gareth Bale left to, from Tottenham to Real Madrid, you know, big money move, 
granted that was a different league, but they obviously Spurs brought in a bunch of players. Not to say Villa brought in like seven players, but they brought in a decent amount, right? And all who are expected to be playing, starting, and having some type of important role. And I feel like the same issues are kind of popping up with that team and like the Villa team right now, where it's they just haven't had the opportunity and the time to gel. And I think maybe given like another couple of weeks in like an off season, they could be probably performing a little bit better. But I get the feeling that their season is like just kicking in and just starting, right? They're kind of starting to hit the, they're going to start hitting the ground running a little bit faster soon. But um, yeah, I mean, it's always obviously different, you know, for a lot of those players, new culture, new teams, new language, whatever, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not really a big fan of when they actually use Watkins and Ings together up front. I I think one, one or the other is more than enough because they have so much creativity in the midfield and on the wings that I think it's better off, putting the talent there and then just letting one of them be the striker for the day. Um, I feel like when they're both up there, the just doesn't, does something about their attack just doesn't flow as good as it should. I would agree. They, I mean, it doesn't help that Leon Bailey has been a little injured, right? Um, one of their big money signings on the wing who's supposed to replace Grealish, mm-hmm. but in general, you know, Villa, I think to your point, they have the creative pieces and the outlets there to once everyone's fully fit and healthy, they could obviously kick in and be a, a top half side. So mm-hmm. very easily. Agreed. Agreed. Then we had the uh, Chelsea Norwich game. First thing Saturday morning here on the East coast. Uh, Vito is actually there for the uh, Premier league morning out West at four 30. Not here. Unfortunately, he's probably still hung over and uh, trying to figure out his life, but <laughs> yeah, we no one really missed much in this one. It was Chelsea all the way through and through uh, the red card didn't help. I think there was an own goal in there. Also, didn't help. Final was what seven nothing. Seven was it? I think it was seven by by the end of it. Yeah, you had the Mason Mount hat trick. Oh um, my! Yeah, it, it just it didn't get very good. Yeah, it was seven nothing for Norwich or uh, for for Chelsea. Yeah, it was an own goal. Mason Mount hat trick, and then a lot of academy players scored though. Mount with three. Hudson and Doy had one. Reese James had one, and then Chilwell had another. Mm-hmm. Red car was in the sixty fifth minute, but that was after all the scoring was pretty much done. Uh, besides the last two for Mount, so. Wow. Rough day at the rough day at the office for Norwich. That's one they uh just you just block out of the memory, in my opinion. Yeah, they have to definitely bounce back given the couple run of games they have after Chelsea. Um, more or less bottom half table types of teams. So those are the games. games they're gonna have to pick up points, uh, either win or get a draw. So uh, get that one out of the way. You know, just block it out, like you said. So and for Chelsea too, that's a great. Uh, granted, like beating any team seven 0 is gonna be great, but. And this league in particular, with like the top four probably being as tight as it will be, the goal differential would be probably being pretty important. That could be a massive game for them in particular, right? Yeah, and that was all without Lukaku, Werner, and Pulisic up there too. So yeah, it's good for them. And we had Crystal Palace and Newcastle, one-one draw. A one-one draw, very scintillating, right? Uh, Palace, in all honesty, you know, watching that game, they played pretty damn well against a Newcastle team. I was having 75% 75% possession. Jeez. What a tongue twister. Good Lord. <laughs> uh, and they'll probably feel unlucky in all honesty, not to win. Um, Newcastle kind of clinging on by the, you know, their seed for the time being, you know, they just fired Steve Bruce, but um, mutually, could, mutually parted ways. Yeah. That's a nice way of saying you're fired. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Yeah, that's like what a girl says to a dude after you know a breakup. We're gonna mutually we be friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, we still be friends. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, obviously, it kind of showed they were lacking what it seemed like a, a game plan in general, and you know, just they're lucky to get away with a point there from an amazing overhead kick from Callum Wilson. In all honesty, um, to tie the game, but Crystal Palace in particular. Um, we definitely, or I in particular, had them to probably finishing a lot lower than I thought they would be at right now. Granted, we're still, you know, probably one third of the way throughout the season. But uh, I've said it before. I'm going to keep saying it because I am a true believer in this. I think Patrick Vieira is doing a phenomenal job right now with those kids at Crystal Palace. I think they're all beginning to gel and form the nucleus of something pretty extraordinary. Um, not to like jump to two con- big conclusions just yet, but within a year's time, um, once he kind of instills more of that mentality, they grow together and learn and have some of those tough losses or even tough lessons like this draw, for instance, how to close out a game. They're going to be a dangerous team, man. 
Like, I'm yeah, it's you. it's the definition of their season right now. It's just dropping. Yeah. It's dropping so many points from winning positions. They got to figure out a way to close these games and steal three points. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they'll figure it out. I I, I like watching them play against the low, especially the lower tier teams in in the league. Yeah. Even 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 the top even the top teams like they're playing them very tough, very solid. They just got to figure out a way how to get that those three points. Granted, Benteke's finishing this game. He had a great goal, but he could have he could have had a hat trick. Like, those are the chances you need to take when you're in those situations for a team like that. So, like in all honesty, if I, I'm curious, if hypothetically Patrick Vieira was able to get a top ten or better finish from Crystal Palace, would you consider him for Coach of the Year? Or would he deserve it, given what they were expected to be at at the beginning of this year? That's a tough one. Um, I hate I hate when we throw those kind of questions out there because yes, I think the award's always just given to the the uh, the winning manager from the league. Mm-hmm. He deserves to be a hundred percent shortlisted at that point, mm-hmm. and in, and in contention for at least for the award. Um, I I think the award should more along go with the lines of like what you just said is. My team was projected projected to finish 18th. I got them to sit, you know, seventh or eighth or yeah. ninth. Like that, to me, that's like that's that's proving something. Whether it's the manager having a much more impact on the team, whereas mm-hmm. I don't want to say Pep doesn't do anything because he gets the best out of all of his players. But yes, he yeah. has an embarrassment of riches. Yeah. Whether while Crystal Palace is sitting there, they got their best 11. You know, maybe 15, 16 deep, truly, versus a team that has a starter or or two or three at every position. So. I mean, if you look at them right now, they're in 15th at nine points, but the 10th place, Arsenal, 14th. There's every possibility they could come through and come good on that. So, yeah, if they stole some of those wins like they should have, they would, honest to God, I think Crystal Palace should have another six points. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it, they've had some really unfortunate games. And I mean, granted, yes, they're drawing them all, but they just went two, two more of those. It's four more points. Where are they up at the table? They're, 13th yeah they're right behind arsenal at that point yeah so, so it's just it's on you know they're gonna they're gonna take their legs this year they're young mm-hmm. but not, nothing wrong with that it's the way you have a new manager new squad pretty much in and out so mm. they'll get it they'll figure it out mm. then we had everton and watford um god oh, damn yeah. oh, everton controlled this one for the first half and i thought they were gonna kind of run away with it a little bit but they mm-hmm. just could not put the dagger into watford and then, like the 65th, 70th minute hit, and Joshua King just went absolute, like Nuclear. Superman, like just yeah. <laughs> like blew up. Of course, like his old squad. It's like Moses spreading the Red Sea, just yeah, and he totally just tore it up, bro. <laughs> Watford ended up winning this game five two. Came from behind twice, if I remember correctly, and uh, great job from Claudio Ranieri. Couldn't have asked for a better start. Um, and then kudos to Josh, Joshua King gets the hatcher against his old team, basically yeah. giving the, the board at a big FU saying I was actually worth it. Yeah. So, um, you kind of like to see that in a player and just his, his, uh, audacity to kind of go up against it. So good for mm-hmm. him. Um, Everton in trouble at all. They've had a couple of poor, uh, poor run of results. Um, I've, I've said this in the beginning of the season, I, obviously if they're able to finish like the top seven that I thought that would probably be a pretty good big season for them and a big result. I still think of them as a mid-table team. I don't think there is a reason to ring an alarm yet. Um, but in general, no. Nah, I, I, I wouldn't be freaking out if I was an Everton fan or anything along those lines. Obviously, it's a poor result, and you hate to see that defensively. But, um, you know, time. I think over time, it'll, it'll all work out the way it's supposed to for them. So, Okay, okay. For Watford, though, I, I, I got to bet the house on them right now. So <laughs> Claudio <laughs> came back, baby. He's out for blood. <laughs> Apparently. I heard they're 5,000 to one. You should put a 20 on it. Yeah, in all honesty. <laughs> then we head over to uh, Leeds with a 1-1 draw against Wolves. Yeah, my new favorite South Korean, the third deadliest in the world behind what Kim Sung and, and uh, Young Min Sung. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that being said, he opened the scoring for Lee, uh, for Wolves, excuse me, uh, after a Raul Jimenez deflected shot. And afterwards, um, Leeds were able to kind of nick one back. And from that, you know, in late, general, late penalty, yeah, very late at the death. So lucky for them, but it was a great game to watch, in all honesty, tactically. Like they're both Bruno Large and Marcelo Biza, they're both attacking minded managers. And from a tactical perspective, it was interesting to kind of see how both teams were trying to counter each other through the middle. Um, I thought in general, 
Wolves are probably a little bit of the better side and leads to, I think Vito's point, and I think Steve, you said this too prior, but it seems like they're kind of getting, like they've been that little found out, so they might have to kind of switch away. They're kind of playing a little bit. Wolves in particular, like I said, I think they're starting to click into gear. Um, now that Jimenez is back in form a little bit, he's looking more and more dangerous with each game. Chan in particular is looking pretty dangerous in that partnership. I think that's a partnership to watch. I think Wolves are a team to watch, and they're probably going to be ascending relatively soon. So, there, Yeah, they're a tough one for me, man. I feel like they have all the pieces in place, the manager in place, and can't they do that right now? There's so, something, something going on maybe internally, a uh, confidence mm. issue. Mm. People find it, like, like we all said, people find them out and know, understanding how to play them defensively now. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see them succeed, though, man. I really like their story. I just like them in general. Yeah. They were good, good, uh, good game on the eye to watch. Then we head over to Southampton. They had a 2-2 draw with Burnley. Uh, Max Cornett uh, scored twice for, for uh, Burnley. Southampton goals came from a Chelsea Loney and then a Chelsea transfer. So I guess they're doing pretty well over the uh, Southampton <laughs> Livermento in the 41st and uh, Broja in the 50th after halftime. Mm-hmm. But credit to Burnley fighting back, grabbing a point out of this game was ironically one of, I feel like, the better games to watch on the day. It was. It was actually, yeah. it was actually pretty entertaining. Uh, it was. It, honestly, I, both teams have you know something to play for, being out of the relegation zone, right? And they realized they have to pick up some type of point against that other. So realistically, that's are the two teams who are, probably going to be towards the bottom half at the end of the year. So any points, a good point for both of those. Um, Cornet in particular, I think this is his third goal in like three games or something like that, including the brace. So he's playing well and he's paying off well for Burnley and Sean Dice right now. Um, is he a record signing? He or is their record signing. Was, yeah. right? okay. So for them to stay up, obviously he's going to have to perform. He's doing that right now. Um, you know, he's, he's an inter- one to watch in particular too. So. Mm, I agree. I agree. Good, yeah, good game. Southampton too, man. They're, they're grinding out results as well. They just got to, they got to string a few more wins together. I feel like exactly. they're actually playing teams very, very tough. They're just, again, I think Crystal Palace is a little more dominant in their games that they're drawing, mm-hmm. but Southampton, like Southampton kind of like sticking around in a few of them, but they're still, there's like never, so, never so die close. mentality, that cockroach mentality. <laughs> just there. <laughs> just kidding. Nice. Then the last game on Saturday, we had a uh, Brighton man city. Yeah, uh, I wish there was more to write about and talk about, but uh, City winners 4 1. Um, in general, I, you know, Brighton played them pretty well, in, in all honesty. Very well in the second half. Yeah, like they played them pretty well. Um, but, I, you know, at the end of the day, the quality, like, like we were talking about, like they have the ability to field two teams and the quality just overcame them at the end of the day. And it was just too much to handle. But, um, Kudos to Brighton for even putting up the fight, coming out, obviously playing really well in the second half. Um, it's it's a tough loss, but it's a learning experience for Graham Potter and the boys. They'll be back. They're going to keep pushing and keep chugging along. So, yeah, they're, ha- still, they're yeah. still fifth in the table. It's not like this, this had anything to do with them. Like, obviously, Man, Man City is clearly the uh, superior team in that situation. But Brighton at home, I feel like they probably would have wanted to get a little bit more from the game or kind of not, not necessarily maybe a better result, but just a better showing in general for like the full 90, not just the 45 in the second half. Yeah. Um, Man City's. I feel like this is one of those type of games that they differentiate themselves between being a good, an overall good team and like a really great one. Is they have those 15, 20 minute periods where they go for the throat and the kill shot in every single game. Where oh, they're, yeah. gonna, they're gonna put three or four up out of nowhere on you, and it's just game over from there. You have no chance of coming back. Exactly. Where a lot of some other top teams will let other other games kind of slip away from them. They'll, they'll get that one, those draws when they really shouldn't man city just goes for the absolute jug, like just the jug, like boom, boom, boom. And then mm-hmm. you, you're sitting there like three, nothing. You're like, what just happened? Yeah. It's like a blitzkrieg of goals. Just yeah. flying at you. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, good for like that. I think that's really what separates them in certain situations. And that's how they've been so successful over at least the Pep Guardiola, uh, Guardiola period. Mm-hmm. Then heading over to uh, Sunday's games, we had Brentford versus Leicester. Leicester with a 2-1 win. Tielemans with a banger of a goal in that one. And mm-hmm. then uh, James Madison tucked away the second one to get him all three points. A little bit of a um, Leicester revival coming over. Like, what, do we, what do we got going on here? Yeah, it is a little bit of a Leicester revival. They are right now in ninth place with 14 points. Zero goal differential, but I mean, regardless, 
you know, at 14, they're only three behind a top four spot right now. Um, there's, you know, they come, come off the Europa league where they put up a crap ton of goals against, I think it was like a Russian side. They played yeah, Spartak. Uh, Spartak. Yeah. And Pat's and in particular, that was probably his breakout game right there for them. Um, he's going to probably start lighting it up pretty soon for if already in the cha- in the Premier League for uh, Leicester. And yeah, they're, they're looking good, man. They're, they're back on form. Brendan Rod, B. Rod was able to get it, the best out of his boys. The second goal in particular, too, wanted to call out. That was almost like a goal that made me want to like throw my controller if I was playing FIFA. Like it was all the <laughs> one touch passing, pass the keeper into an open net. Madison scores. The sweatiness. Like, I was like, damn, that was, that was really nice. <laughs> so yeah, it was two nice goals in two different ways. So, yeah. I mean, listen, three wins on the bounce. They took down Manu in stunning fashion, four, two, uh, Spartak four, three, you said DACA with the four goals. I'm yeah. curious to see if he starts getting more time in the Premier league or if he's basically like their cup striker for the mid. I think, I think you have to give him more time. Um, Barty's getting a little bit older. You want to introduce him, get him acclimated a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I do think DACA will, in all honesty, probably overtake Ineacio uh, for that second role. And then probably within a year's time, year and a half, I think Daka's the main dude. I think he in particular is, I think he's a killer in front of goal. Um, so Lester definitely stole a great signing with him and mm-hmm. just give it time with him. Brentford, two losses on the bounce, uh, one another Chelsea and a two one to Lester. Any, any worries there? Or not really. No, nah, nah, they're, they're playing how they should be playing. So. They created a lot of chances in that Leicester game too. So, yeah, I, I thought they should have had. Honestly, should have had something from that Chelsea game as well. So, yeah, good for them. They'll leave. They, uh, I don't see them being any issues. Then we head over to. I don't know. Do I want to bring this one up for you? West Ham one, Tottenham zero. Yeah, uh, <laughs> a very toothless, uninspiring performance to say the least. But. Credit where credit's due first, David Moyes uh, to West Ham, Mikel Antonio, who apparently loves scoring against Spurs, uh, got his goal. And from there, it was pretty much game over because they actually had a game plan. Nuno, please take notes. That's how a person is supposed to coach. Um, with that said, though, um, yeah, West Ham took control. Once they went up one nothing. the game was pretty much over because Spurs, this has obviously been a glaring issue ever since Christian Eriksen left. Uh, do not have a creative attacking midfielder, like a true midfielder. They're great shit. So because of that, you know, great they had analogy. no, yeah, you know what I mean? They had no shots on goal in the second half once they went down or even in the second half in general. So a uh, lot of work to do with Nuno and the boys, but um, hopefully it gets better against a steadily moving downward, which we'll get to in a second, but Manchester United and Ole Gunnar Skullscar. So. Oh, oh, oh. Let's just head right into that game right now, actually. <laughs> I mean, what what else do you want to talk about? Uh, Liverpool just dropped the absolute hammer on that. Mo Salah hat-trick. Uh, 5-0 win at Old Trafford. Yeah, that was bad. That was real bad. Oh, God, man. That is... You had fans leaving at the 65th minute, streaming out of Old Trafford. Literally. On top of that, too, the red card to Pogba. Did you feel like he gets subbed on, too, the worst part about it? Do you think he did that like almost on purpose? Like, just <laughs> yeah, it's like, like a, a giant fuck you. you, a giant fuck you to Oli for not starting him. Yeah, it kind of felt like it. No, I'm just kidding. But um, yeah, I mean, man, you were that midfield, the McFred combo. <laughs> they were chasing shadows the entire game. They they're gonna be spooked from uh, not just Halloween, but from that game for the rest of the season. Um, yeah, it was it was rough to watch. Uh, Great for Liverpool fans, obviously. Mo Salah, debated. Not, I don't even know if you could say debatably. He, he, in my opinion, probably is the most informed player in the world right now. Liverpool, in my opinion, probably the most informed team in the world right now. Um, they are playing on a different freaking level. Um, Klopp has got them purring. They have all their players back from injury from last year. And I expected them to be good, right, this year, but not anywhere near this level of, like, just like you said, like how like city goes for the jugular. It's almost like they're doing like a mortal combat finishing move through the jugular of some of these teams. <laughs> like it's they're They're insane to watch right now. I feel you. They uh, just, how, how in trouble is Ole now? Cause reports about two weeks ago came out saying 
the board had his back. He had no, like, there's nothing wrong with it. Do you, mm. do you feel like a sense if he's losing the locker room? Cause Pogba's come out already and based, I mean, well, Pogba has in the past, his agent has in the past, essentially. But Pogba said it without really saying it. I think what, after I want to say their Champions League game, if I'm not mistaken, I forget which game it was. It was very recent. Mm-hmm. And it's like, eh, we're, you know, we're not as creative. We need something new in there. Every, like kind of what Pulisic actually said about Burhalter without saying it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you think is a job on the line? Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Especially when you know Antonio yeah, Con- Antonio Conte is kind of whispering sweet music into the board's ear, saying, "Hey, I'm here. Come pick me up. I'm ready." Given his resume and what he's accomplished with the teams he's had, and you know, God forbid, the Manchester United transfer budget. Um, I would have to assume you'd be crazy if you weren't thinking Antonio Conte could slide into that role. Um, so I think this is must win territory for Ole. We knew that the t- schedule is going to be super tough for them in general over the next couple of weeks, but yeah, I mean, they can't rely on just Ronaldo to be winning games because obviously defensively they have issues. He's picking in all honesty, a, sh- a shit midfield with McTominay and Fred. Um, so I mean, it comes down ultimately to the coach at that point. He has to really be inspiring to the players, which seems like right now he isn't. You can't sign Ronaldo. You can't sign Sancho. You can't sign Verano. I know is injured, but all these players just to be dropping points the way you're dropping points and winning the games when you do win them the way you're winning them, not more dominantly. So, I listen. I couldn't 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 agree more with you on that one. Um, before we head over to the bull predictions, we do have some cup matches coming up. We got the English Carabao Cup. We mm. are in the fourth round, so we got 16 teams left. Oh. Um, majority of them are all Premier League team, but we do have three that are not. Or I'm sorry, four, actually. My apologies. We got oh. QPR, Stoke, yeah. and Preston all in the championship. And we got Sunderland, actually, down in League One. QPR and Sunderland go against each other, so we will have one of the lower league teams at least, or non-Premier League teams in the quarterfinals. Um, we feeling any magical cup runs by anybody right now? I really want Sunderland to have it just because I haven't seen anything from a uh, Sunderland till I die in a while. I don't know if they keep, they stop filming that. Do they what stop? Happened. Yeah. After the second, after the oh, second or third season. Could you, could you imagine they stop filming and then they fucking win the Carabao cup or something? Like, hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> like those fans, man, they, they really deserve some form of happiness. I would love to see a Sunderland run. Do I think it's going to happen? No, obviously, but you know, I would love to see that. Never know, man. You never know. Is I think Lyndon Gooch actually from the U.S. He's still over there, right? He is. I'm mistaken. He, he is. Came, he I think he just came back from like injury. Yeah, he is. Maybe, man. Maybe I. Um. Yeah, I mean, typically these, these cup tie, uh, cup ties or comp- competitions are pre- relatively pretty. Much, I can't talk either right now. Pretty much dominated by the uh, Premier League squads. They yeah. use their youth guys in the beginning of the competitions for the first, you know, two three rounds or whatnot, and then they start yeah. bringing in the the first teamers as you get a little closer. Um, it would be cool. I mean, listen, we're gonna have either QPR or Sunderland in the quarterfinals, and who knows who they get drawn up against, right? If Stoke pulls off the upset against Brentford, or dare I say, Preston at home against Liverpool on one, <laughs> yeah, you know, how, how much you think they're shitting their pants after they just watched a five nothing ass banging of, of Man U? <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> uh, I, I don't even know how you have a team talk to prepare for that game. Like, hey, guys, I... let's uh, let's not lose by double digits. Um, we'll go from there. Yeah. And we'll take it all <laughs> positive. Everything's a positive learning experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree, man. I agree. Let's head over though. We're going to check out our bold predictions for the upcoming match week of the Premier League season. First up, uh, early morning, we got Leicester versus Arsenal. Pretty good matchup. Not a few weeks ago, but currently with the form they're both in. Intriguing to say the least. Um, I'm leaning towards a draw in my head. But the way, like I said earlier, Arsenal have this kind of ability, not to say Leicester haven't in the season, but to kind of flip-flop a little bit. And I think this is one of those games where they might switch off and they might not be up for it. And the way Leicester have been playing, not only in the Premier League, but also the Europa League, um, I'm going to probably tip my hat to the team that's a little bit more on form. I think there'll be goals in this game because both defenses are a little shaky. So I would probably say a 2-1 win to Leicester. Okay, okay. Um, mm. 
I like your reasoning behind everything you just said, and it's very tough to disagree. And I, I hate being similar. Um, that's a tough one though, man. It's, 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 it's just like you said it though. It's, it's either team could just turn it on that day or either team could also just turn it off and just throw an absolute dud in there. And I think, um, if we were going to Arsenal would be the, would be the one out of the two to do so. Mm-hmm. The odds from the, the bookmakers are actually pretty tough in this one. Leicester, oh, even at, Leicester even at home, plus 150, draw plus 240, and Arsenal away, plus 180. So mm-hmm. they're they're just as like a 50-50 shot as anyone as well. So yeah. I'm gonna take the, I'm gonna take the draw on this one though. I think that is the more likely outcome. Um, just given the teams and how, I think they yeah. match up very well against each other as well. Yeah. Then we have a uh, Burnley Brentford. Yeah. So in this game in particular, um, I think we're going to see a lot of same kind of typical Burnley kind of sitting, waiting, hitting on the counter as much as they can balls over the top. Brentford are going to be doing their typical, you know, press in really push really come at for the, their version of the throat since we've been bringing that up, but I don't necessarily see Brentford having, they do have quality, but enough quality to break down one of those like Burnley back lines. Um, so I, with that in mind, I think it's most likely a nil nil draw in this game. Gotcha. Uh, I'm going to go with something along those Tony nets right in this one. And, uh, well, it's going to be a very, like you said, very tight game. Burnley's not going to give them much to work with at all. Um, just feeling Brentford love the way they play. Fair. fair. Take the plus plus one sixty five, everyone. <laughs> uh, then we got Liverpool versus Brighton. Liverpool is at home. Yeah, Liverpool at home. Um, I'm going to have to go Liverpool. <laughs> After the <laughs> spanking they gave Manchester United, I don't think anyone would be upset. And I'm sorry to some of our Brighton fans who might listen to this. Um, they just looked on a different level. I don't think any team in the world can, for the most part, can match up to them right now. So. Now I feel on that. Also, shout out to Paul Dorsey. Uh, met up with Vito at the Premier League uh, Fan Fest over in LA out there. Not LA. Where were they at? I honestly don't remember. Yeah, they were in the Coliseum. It was? Yeah. It was? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so, great to hear from him again and just kind of talk with them. Um, yeah, now Liverpool all the way in this one. I think Brighton puts up a much better show than they did in the Man City game, but I think Liverpool's quality just shines through in this. Mm. And, no, and no fault to Brighton's. Uh, you know, yeah. yeah. Then we got Man City at home against Crystal Palace. Good one for Palace, man. I this is so week one, dreadful game against Chelsea. Yep. Against the top tier competition. Yep. Coming up against City, I think this is one of those where they can test themselves. Yep. And see how far they've truly come as a team, especially being as young as they are. Yep. Now that with saying that, obviously, man, City, we're going there, but so interesting to watch. So here's the thing. Palace have been playing teams, like we said, very hard. And they've been really grinding these out. City, like we said, have been really bullying the shit out of other teams. And I kind of get the feeling that this is one of those like classic games where I don't want to say Pep overthinks, but the players in my mind don't perform up to the level they should be performing at because maybe their eyes were focused more on the Champions League this week. So I got to get the feeling that this has got a draw written on it for Crystal Palace, and they're able to sneak a point out here. Well, it's Carabao Cup, not Champions League this week. Oh, sorry, dude. I'm, I'm all over it, as you can tell. Carabao Cup, yeah. They care a lot about that competition, don't they? They do. They absolutely do. Interesting. Uh, out of their last five matchups, I'm actually curious. I'm going to pull them up real quick to see how they do. Because I do remember um, – I want to say it was 2019 when Towson hit that stunner from outside the box, like that, that, that volley off the ground. And they actually yeah. won that game. Yeah. yeah. See uh, their last five against each other. Man City 2-0, Man City 4-0, 2-2 draw, away to City, uh, Man City win, Man City win. Okay, so yeah, it must it might have been 2018 then when he, when he uh, hit that volley and they won away. Mm-hmm. But yeah, now it's pretty much been all Man City, uh, four wins and a draw in their last five uh, competitions against each other. So it's Crystal Palace do. I kind of get the feeling just – I, I kind of believe in this team a little bit. I'm going to roll the dice with them. I think they get a draw. That is bold, my friend. That is bold. Then uh, next up we got – we had uh, Watford Southampton. Watford Southampton. The Ranieri effect in full effect. Um, yeah, 
I kind of get the feeling, correct me if I'm wrong, but Watford have this little bounce coming in and it's hard to kind of bet against that right now with Claudio at the helm. So with that in mind, Southampton playing really well, like fast, expansive football, which is always fun to watch. Uh, Livermento in particular, he's playing really well. But um, I think they get James Ward-Prowse back to this upcoming game against Watford. Is he so, back after suspension? I, I honestly don't I, have any games. I think, I think it's three games. I think this would be the game he comes back, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so if that's the case, James Ward-Prowse is in. I think he does enough to control that midfield to kind of keep Watford off the ball. Um, and I see the game probably being like 1-1 one, one or 2-2 two, two in a draw scenario. Gotcha. Yeah, it would be. So, yeah, they got the midweek game against Chelsea, uh, fourth round of the Carabao Cup. So then I'm guessing that, if, if anything, that would be the third game in the, um, in the suspension. Then afterwards, he'd be available for Watford. Um, yeah, I'm going to take the 1-1. One, one. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so, I'm sorry. Yeah, my apologies. Um, yeah, I'm going to take the 1-1 one, one draw on this one. I, I, I just think it's going to be a stalemate in general. Um, mm. Both teams evenly matched. Southampton typically have a little bit of trouble creating uh, opportunities as well. Same with Watford. And then uh, and then they have those random games where they just drop a three, four, or five bomb on you. So mm. um, I think it's just a, l- a little bit of a letdown game coming off a high of what uh, happened over the last weekend. So give me yeah. the draw on that. Then we have the last game on Saturday. The mm-hmm. primetime Tottenham hosting Man U. Yeah, the battle of who wants to get sacked first, Ole <laughs> or Nuno. Um, I don't know. This game could be 0 0. Uh, it could be 3 0 because Tottenham's defense is shit and, you know, they don't have anybody. It could be 4 3. It could be 4 3. This game could be a lot of different things. Um, I get the feeling based on Tottenham's form right now that they don't have enough in the tank to create really any goals. Um, they're playing a little bit of a depleted Man U defense, but I think with the Man U offense that should be out there, they're going to be playing for Ole in general. They're going to know his necks on the line. I get the feeling they'll probably come out for him if this is, his, in fact, his last game, or maybe, you know, maybe he's even fired. Job-saving game. A job-saving game, you know. I think Man U probably get the win. Uh, I would say 2-0 against Tottenham. I just don't see, especially how Spurs played against West Ham, them creating much or doing too much. So I'm going to go Man U here, and strictly for one and one reason only, it's angry Ronaldo. Angry? Dude, he should have got a red card in that last game too. I thought, yeah, I thought so as well. I'm going to be honest. against You can't just kick somebody while they have <laughs> – I don't know. Any other person, I feel like that's a red card. So More than likely. Yeah. Very much so. Uh, my apology, I did miss one of the 10 o'clock games, um, ironically my own team. Uh, Newcastle hosting Chelsea. Chelsea, moving on. <laughs> okay. <As well. laughs> Sunday, Con- interesting game. Norwich hosting Leeds. Both teams really need some points. Yeah, both teams really need some points. Does that mean they're going to get it? Yes, I think they both share the points. I think this has got a draw written all over it. Leeds defense is super leaky. Um, that being said, Norwich in particular, I think this is one of those games where they finally are able to kind of bring out some of the more creative players that they have and use them appropriately. Um, Leeds will probably sneak one in. I can see this being like a 1-1 or 2-2 type of game. So Okay, I'm going to go Leeds win. I think they have too much firepower for the Norwich defense. Um but yes, 100% going to be an open game. It could be 3-2 for all, for all we know. Not an uncommon, probably not an uncommon scoreline for a Leeds United team. Mm-hmm. Then the last game, or not the last game, the second to the last game of the weekend. I'm all over the place as well. Uh, we got Ashton Villa hosting West Ham. I feel like every time I call a West Ham game, it's going to be the most wide-open, dramatic, fun affair. It's it not. Ends up, it ends up being a <laughs> nil-nil draw. So I'm just going to shut up here and, then, and see what happens. Um, I am going to take West Ham for the win. I think they have a little bit more quality going forward right now. And Ashton Villa is in a little bit of a slump. Yeah. I think like to your point, West Ham definitely coming off the high of that Derby win against Tottenham Villa seemed seemingly slipping a little bit right now. Um, I kind of get the feeling this has another draw written over it, to be honest with you, probably a, a nil, nil one, one draw. Okay. Okay. Wait, wouldn't this wouldn't shock me the way, uh, they love disappointing me when I think they're going to have a great game. Mm-hmm. 
And then the last game of the weekend, positive about this one, it's a Monday nighter, Wolves hosting Everton. Yeah. Like I said, I don't think Everton are necessarily struggling. Like I said prior, I think they're in a little bit of a slip. But after they exposed, got exposed defensively, obviously Wolves are going to be really pushing to hit them on, you know, with their pace and counter ability through Triore, through Chan, through Jimenez, and a bunch of the other players they have and playmakers on the ball. I think Wolves midfield might be a little bit better, like maybe a little bit better than Everton's with Neves and Moutinho being able to kind of be the technicians in there. And because of that, I kind of get the feeling that Wolves are able to steal a point here or steal a couple of points here. And I think they get a 2-1 win against an Everton team. Uh, so I, I would say a Wolves win here. Ooh, tough one, tough one, tough one. Um, Everton and Benitez, I feel like they got to figure something out by now. They only have one win in their last five Premier League games, and that's against Norwich City. Um, so not not the uh, exact statistics you want out there. I mean, after that uh, that one one draw away to Man U, I thought they really were you know were like okay maybe we're back on track you know two good mm. results in a row figure something out, and they kind of just took a really big step backwards. Uh, Wolves at home. Wolves at home are tough, man. They are a tough team to play. So give me the third deadliest Korean uh, in the nation in the world now. <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that Wolves win as well. <laughs> What um did you update the uh, charts for the for the final or the uh, prediction counter? So yeah, it is all updated as it stands today after match week nine. Vito with a solid 41 points. Steve one better with 42, and Mike finally taking the first lead of this season with a 44 piece. Yeah, we got we're gonna put an asterisk next to that one <laughs> for some things. What, uh, what, what do you got for final thoughts? Anything? Um, at the moment, no. Hopefully, uh, for you know my Spurs in particular, I hope they are able to bounce back and show a little bit of fight and, God forbid, shoot the fucking ball. But <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask uh, too much of them. I mean, come on now, bud. I know. I mean, God forbid we take a shot. But, um, where's, uh, where's Prince Harry been lately? Uh, he's been dreaming of Manchester City and what could have been. That's fair. So that's probably where his, his head's at. But um, yeah, besides that, not too much in terms of like any other noteworthy things going on. Um, I know we're coming up towards the Halloween spooky season. So excited for that. But um, yeah, that's about it, to be honest. So I gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that'll do it for this episode of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. Uh, give us a like, comment, and hit the bell. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also find us on Spotify, Apple, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Hit us up on Twitter at the SL Screamers underscore pod for daily tweets and updates about the show, world football in general. I'm your host, Steve, with Michael Nolan signing off.